right, we're back with Mr. Spencer, host of Long Lost Explorer, for our second part of our episode that we didn't quite get to finish the other day. Spencer, how you doing? You're doing better. I, I'm so happy. You're, I'm doing better? You're doing better, yeah. I see the progression. It's awesome. <laughs> so that 24 hours makes you actually gave me a one second in or a one sentence intro. I love it. Oh, well, you didn't <laughs> <get> the script. <laughs> okay. So, yesterday our plan was to go through the secret history of the shadow campaign that saved the 2020 election, but mm-hmm. fortunately everything kind of drifted together and we didn't actually yeah. quite get to it. I think I posed the question of, you know, we got into it. Um, you know, this might have been to Josh, so correct me if I didn't mention this to you, but if we had a situation where Trump uh, worked with a team to intimidate, well, you're going to use the word intimidate because that's what it would be classified as, mm-hmm. uh, lawmakers to change laws, go against state constitutions to change the rules of a game to fit what he needed to win an election, mm-hmm. uh, went and had secret meetings with social media to entice them to ban any voices that stand against him. Uh, how do you think that that would have been portrayed? Um, I forgot the name, uh, the name in the first episode, but it, he would have like another Robert Mueller investigation. I mean, uh, yeah, I, so we I wouldn't. That's right. At the beginning of that last episode. Yeah. 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 He, he would probably have something like that. I mean, it's hard to speculate, but um, I would imagine if, I mean, you know, let's just say if he won a bunch of seats, if he had like a super majority in the House and the Senate, when he had all that manipulation going on, I don't know how much power the Democrats would actually have. I know the media, there would be definitely a lot of outcry. So it's hard to speculate how far it would go, but um, it, maybe there would probably be an investigation. Maybe not. Um, maybe there would just be a lot of outcry, and that would be kind of the the major topic for his next at least two years, if not four years. Because you, you could kind of notice how hot and cold subjects get just depending on where one political party is. So let's just say if Republicans just kind of had a super majority, they, I know they would probably attack the other side a little bit when it came to like media, Fox News, and like certain things that they would do, but they would pe- they would be usually a little bit more complacent. And so, you know, just the same thing with Democrats as well. They usually just kind of brush everything off and just kind of go, go on their way. And when they are in the minority, they speak louder than they do when they are in the majority. That's kind of what I notice. It, I mean, it depends. I mean, the news kind of has to try and pick up and get some like spicy stories and stuff like that. But okay, so this doesn't surprise me at all when it comes to just business and marketing. It, the business and governments are just so entangled with each other that it, it it's kind of inevitable. And of course, um, you know, I realistically, I don't know what Democrats really had a fear of Trump. Like, 
I'm surprised they didn't act like this with Bush or any other like Republican president that I've even looked back and, and remembered and stuff like that. But this is kind of a new ball game. I, I, I feel like with social media and all the access we have to our phones and stuff, I'm trying to figure out if this is just the same or if it's ramping up, which I'm confused about. But you have people in the news, in tech, in all these businesses and organizations that are putting pressure on saying, hey, we're not going to regulate you. We're going to cut you better deals. We'll uh, will waive your taxes. You know, there there's many things that they can leverage uh, against a business. And the government is in a lot of aspects more powerful than businesses. So they have the opportunity to do it. Now, I, I mean, it, it's a strategy and it works, but I definitely think it's immoral what, what they um, have the ability to do. And it should be illegal and it, there should be some kind of punishment for it, but it, I ju it just doesn't surprise me because I have been paying very close attention to just kind of all of this and the influence and everything else. And, you know, B Biden was not a very popular guy. He never really has been a popular guy. And to turn up, you know, millions and millions more votes against Trump, which Trump, you know, got a record amount of votes for any sitting president. Obviously, Biden got more votes. But with the amount of turnout and with COVID, it was just a it was a perfect crisis and everything else. I, I just I'm not going to even get too conspiratorial when it comes to, you know, the mail in voting and everything else which I think feel like that was pressured by, they probably would have had a different strategy if COVID, COVID was around, but it was a perfect opportunity, which can potentially bring in a lot of fraud and, um, you know, votes that should not have been counted if it were just a regular year, let's just say like 2018 or something like that. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, from what I got, what's up? It's some of it was in this article. Um, uh, I think some of it was in this article. I believe that last November or earlier, they started moving forward with changing laws and working towards getting mail-in voting going. And then COVID happened and it helped push that from what I can understand. Mm -hmm. So it kind of aligned with what they needed it to do. Um, yeah. But I do have mixed feelings on this article because all of those things that I said to you leading up, you know, if Trump did this with you know changing laws and meeting with tech you can say oh well yeah that, that's within the boundary of the law they're changing the law so if he can mm -hmm. get it done and it's okay so from a standpoint it, it's i have mixed feelings with this article because i i get that argument that well if you legally do it the same way that someone can say well trump tried to legally challenge votes. He didn't actually break any law in, in wanting to challenge mm -hmm. electoral votes. But we see the reaction when he tries to challenge it legally. So mm -hmm. I just don't think it's being fair. So if we were to switch the script and say, oh, oh, Trump did all this stuff, I know that it wouldn't be, oh, he's following the rules. As long as he followed the rules, it's okay. Mm -hmm. He's trying to destroy democracy to get laws to fit what he wants. So mm -hmm. um, I do want to go through this article now. Um, the 
laying out that scenario that I gave at the beginning, anyone would say, yeah, well, if the other side did that thing too, it would be bad. But that is literally what they did if you go through this article. So mm-hmm. I highlighted some of the stuff. Here's part the first part that I highlighted. So it says, to the president, something felt amiss. It was all very, very strange. Trump said on December 2nd, within days after the election, we witnessed an orchestrated effect to anoint uh, to anoint the winner, even while many key states were still being counted. In a way, Trump was right. There was a conspiracy unfolding behind the scenes, one that both curtailed the protests and coordinated the resistance from CEOs. Now, if you said this before this article came out and Trump said anything about this or uh, companies working against him, working with states to change laws, this was all conspiracy. You weren't allowed to say Mm -hmm. that. But here it comes out and says, oh, actually Trump was right, but we were condemning him for those things. So mm-hmm. um, there's not much to go in, much to say about this, but unless you have a comment to make about it, if we can just keep going on. No, it, it's just, it, you know, as a person who, um, you know, studied strategy, um, you know, and that, you know, works and business and everything else, it, it it makes sense and it um uh, you know it, it it's just what they do it you know politics is very dirty so um i don't know if you know the right side has a lot of these ceos and everything else it's it's super funny they 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 preach a lot of policies that would effectively ruin their businesses I, I feel like one good example is uh amazon i mean who owns the washington post and everything else and it, it's definitely not a right side source of media or anything like that uh came out with something uh where the amazon employees were trying to unionize or something like that and they they literally had a spokesperson that said that mail-in voting can lead to a bunch of fraud so if we are going to vote on this unionization we are going to have to do it in person rather than uh, via mail and so the same policies that they are like trying to push when it comes to a country are something that they will just like completely discredit when it comes to a business environment and and you know even raising taxes and everything else it's funny because bezos and a lot of these big corporate guys will push for it or you know back behind it but a lot of these people have military contracts and they have a big fat tax tax discount and again this is where you know i and ran uh, a person who i was talking about who wrote atlas shrugged and um the uh, water uh water fountain waterhead um uh shoot i forgot the other book but um you know when you tie government in for everything else you could kind of play by your own rules against the you know the average business owner that you know only makes a couple million a year or something like that and has a handful of employees and stuff like that this is kind of moving towards corporatism which is effectively hey you and your employees are going to benefit you just kind of keep backing us up and we'll keep giving you these special deals and special contracts. Granted, I get that they actually produce great materials for the defense or the government, you know, or like whatever else it's generally speaking, it's like aerospace defense, like type stuff. But um, 
it it really hurts every, um, everybody else that's trying to get ahead because they're pushing policies. It's a it's a two standard thing. It, the the policies are going to affect them, but they're going to affect everybody else. But what's good about that strategy is they're fine. They keep growing at a rapid rate, you know, without being heavily taxed or heavily regulated. And their competitors are pushed out of the market because they have to incur all the all these regulations and taxes and everything else, which stifles growth and everything else. It, it, so, it, in a sense, it's a win-win. And and but if they were implemented in, um, uh, you know, their their own company, they would not be where they would be at today. I mean, I don't think Jeff Bezos would necessarily have the one day shipping thing down to a T maybe I don't know I I mean it's hard to to speculate on that but I don't think he would be as big as what people would would think or you know the prices of Amazon products would be higher a tax is a tax is just basically rising the price on on consumers I mean businesses will raise prices if there is a higher tax so, you know, when you tax businesses, it just tax, taxes the actual citizen who's purchasing the service or good. Yeah, I would have to assume that if any of these large corporations were a small startup or even half the size that they were, they wouldn't support what they're supporting. Because like you said, it seems win-win. They might take a little hit by supporting these things, but it, the smaller companies take such a big hit that it makes it more difficult for them to compete, which then in turn grows the corporation. So. If Jeff Bezos just had a, a, a like a courier um, business in Texas and was, I don't know, let's just say, you know, he was bringing in a hundred million a year or something like that, you know, something relatively big and stuff like that. He would be preaching and going on Fox News for Trump. I, 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 I believe that a hundred percent, but now he is so embedded with them and he has a bunch of, um, consultants and people with them that are trying to negotiate deals with the federal government. It's hard to speak out against the people who are basically feeding you. Mm -hmm. You're biting the hand that feeds essentially, which is why, you know, they're, they're probably, you know, doing stuff for his media company as well. The Washington post, I think is the, yeah. Washington post. Yeah. That Jeff Bezos owns, yeah, democracy dies in darkness. The yeah, you see a lot of examples of that with where money is and companies mm -hmm. like <clears throat> Disney um, and uh, the NBA and stuff like that. That they they do not want to go say anything bad about countries that they have a large amount of funding in and whatnot. Yeah, going to. I think we all know who. Um, Anyway, I'm going to keep reading here. The, so the next part, the handshake between business and labor was just one component of a vast cross-partisan campaign to protect the election. All oh, they're doing it to protect the election. Mm -hmm. So uh, interesting word. It, where, this entire article, as we go through, it's very obvious in who's writing this, but an extraordinary shadow effort dedicated to not winning the vote, but to ensuring it was free and fair, credible and uncorrupted so it's interesting mm -hmm. to me that they can say this and we're saying oh we're doing it to save the election to protect it from these issues and make sure it's uncorrupted and fair and free mm -hmm. but when trump repeatedly says i want 
all the votes, all the legal votes counted. I want it to be fair, this and that. They're, they're saying that he's trying to expel valid votes. It, it's just, it's so hypocritical. Uh, I mean, if you have a comment on it, if not, we can move on. I just think, I, I think if there's any policy that's being done for the good of the country, when it's, it's, it's blanketed in that statement, it's not good for the country. When you have to keep preaching something over and over again, saying it's good for something, it generally usually is not good for it. And who's it saving it for? It's saving it for what their belief is. So that means half of the country, which we can see by the the voting split, they're not saving it for those people. They're trying to ensure it works out for their group. Well, you know, well, you know, it, it is uh, partisan and political because uh, they're saying democracy. We're not a democracy. We're we're a uh, democratic republic. Yeah. And so, with the democracy of who, the democracy of the elections, it's not a democracy. Mm-hmm. It's part. It's part of a democratic republic. Yes, but it it, it just I I just think that. I mean, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, we could just kind of speculate and go on, but there's the only thing you do to change is to change um, the laws and try and repeal like whatever it is. But no one's no one's stopping anybody to vote. I mean, one, it's illegal. So I, I'm I'm really curious of what policy do we need to bring in to help more voters and. And, you know, people are saying that, you know, voter ID laws, I mean, which is a kind of a hot topic, but who the, the, the whole argument, it's racist in itself. You're saying that black people can't get IDs, you know, what black person can't get an ID. And if that is the case, uh, don't we have social workers and don't we have people in the government that are actually trying to help us? or trying to help those people get a valid form of ID. Mm -hmm. Homeless people? Yeah, okay, maybe, I understand. I doubt they're voting. I doubt they're voting much at all. Um, They, a lot of them have a lot of mental health issues, and I I think the ones that are, who are actually trying to get out of poverty are are worried about where they're going to sleep tonight rather than going to a, waiting two hours in line for a voting booth because every minute counts for them. So again, this is anecdotal and this is just what I see, but um, I, I just don't, I, I would love to see a major population who are not on the ID rules. I I feel like, you know, Russia hacked our election in 2016, apparently. But now this is the cleanest election that's ever been in 2020. And, you know, don't look, don't ask questions, just shut up and obey. It's, it's very odd. And, and um, I, when it comes to anybody in power, if everybody says everything, if anybody says that everything went perfectly and as planned and there is no hiccups or anything else, that's when you should genuinely be suspicious. Yeah, that's part of my problem is this is the first time we've ever done such such a wide scale mail-in voting in this way and early voting and sending out mass, uh, uh, what were those ballots? They just, they send them out without requests. I can't remember. Oh, um, 
Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. They get record numbers of those returned. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have all this stuff that we're doing for the first time. And and when does a government program start in the first time it does something that works perfectly? And then Mm -hmm. any issue and saying, hey, maybe we should look into this is suddenly not allowed. It just it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Well, I think I think one one thing as well too is um, you you can tell there's a lot of um, PR and coverage for a certain side. I will just say the Democratic side, but I I, I watch on both sides, so I, I'm being as objective as I can be, even though I have my own bias. But when you have a objective journalists like uh, Cuomo, Don Lemon saying, no, all these things are just debunked. They're all just, um, everything was fine and everything else. And we're not going to even listen to what the skeptics say, you know, as their jobs as objective journalists should be investigating things and getting down to the truth. And it's so odd and weird that if there is new information presented, that journalists would throw away the information rather than investigate it. If you're so objective, why aren't you investigating these things anymore? Why do, even though I think some of the right sided um, uh, Republicans or people who are like pro Trump, when they, when they go on um, whatever news, CNN, Fox news or whatever, they're really bad spokespeople. I, I, I wish they would hand their um, evidence to me and I could speak a little bit more clearly. They're really, I don't know, I just cringe. It, it's just my opinion, but I see them like, oh, dude, okay, stop screaming and just get down to the, the details and everything else. But also they're kind of in a, this awkward situation where they have uh, news anchors that are literally fighting them every sentence that they bring out. So they kind of have to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, instead of, instead of having that approach of like trying to scream over each other, it, you have to like kind of set traps for those news anchors to kind of shut them up in, in my opinion. But like Mike Lindell from my pillow is a guy like, I want to listen to what he says, but I just kind of roll my eyes every time he's just being so bombastic and, you know, other people um, like that. And, and you usually get a lot of people from the right side that have sh- shady records or, or, you know, they're, they go a little bit over the edge and stuff like that. I feel like if they just pulled back a little bit and said, Hey, this is the evidence. This is quick. You know, this is clear. There is some evidence of fraud rather than going to a hundred, if they just pulled it back to 50% and just became a little bit more modest on their approach, I felt like that would have helped them out a lot. Obviously there's some emotion because they want to, they feel like they're right. And I don't know if they're right. They could be right or wrong, but um, they're, they're really excited because they want their party to win and they want the truth to come out and stuff like that. But if you, if you are rushing in trying to sell something and you're acting overly hype, you will deter a lot of people. So I feel like that's one big issue for Republicans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like it definitely is happening on b- both sides. Absolutely. Cause you have one side that's saying, Oh, this is a hundred percent a fact and it changed the election. You're having the other side saying, Oh, there's, no evidence of fraud whatsoever, which both cases, you cannot show any evidence to 
both of those statements can be disproved. I mean, there are no absolutes in, in and, debate. And, and so there's no absolutes. It's very frustrating. And then they expect us to believe them. And if you say a hundred percent and then I find out and, and I show uh, solid proof that my neighbor did um, uh, voter fraud, then that, that disclaims your absolute. Yeah. I, I believe it's even a fallacy too. So there's no such thing as an absolute. At Project Veritas, they went and found numerous examples of fraud, whether or not that is enough fraud to change the election. doesn't matter mm-hmm. the fact that it's proven and then Veritas gets kicked off social media because they found evidence Okay. Yeah, Ver- Veritas, I I do like a lot. I um, I you never know, and, and I'm skeptical with everything else. I hope they're not editing their stuff. I hope they are uh, legitimate. I think one thing, if they really want to bring in people and not have such a pushback on their company, is they do clearly have a bias, so they do go attack left wing people like, you know, 95% um, than they do on right-wing people. Um, I feel like that's what kind of um, made them the kind of evil boogeyman of like undercover media or undercover reporting. And so that's why they get a lot of hate from the left. But um, I, th- I in in all hopes, I hope they are doing good and, and they are not editing and they, they are 100% legit. I know they have like released um, it's kind of a weird marketing thing because uh, this is kind of a thing I've thought about as well, because if you send just, let's just say 10 hours of audio that they have undercover, right? No one's going to listen to that 10 hours. I mean, that's why you see clips that are you know, under so many minutes or whatever, three minutes, five minutes or whatever of these things that gets our attention and we, because, you know, we, we have somewhat of of a short attention span. So we, we just want to know the details. We don't want to sift through all the BS, but that also can create an argument saying, Hey, you're selectively editing this as well. So there's this weird line that they do. And, And what I think they should do as just me and my marketing professionalism is they should, have like a whole channel of these clips and then they should have the whole channel of the full dialogue of you know the five hours 10 hours whatever it is to have the full context and everything so the reporters could see the clips then they could go back to the raw data and see you know what um if this is as legit as it is seen on its face from the small clip. That's the only issue because they sometimes release their full, full audio and sometimes they don't. So again, I I'm, I'm suspicious when it comes to everybody, but I, but deep down in my heart, I hope they are doing the right thing and they are being ethical when it comes to their reporting, but I think they're good. I, I, I genuinely, genu- genuinely think they're good. And the clips that they show are usually pretty damning and it's hard to, to find any other context that could support what they said. And they've gotten people fired. They've gotten, you know, they, they, they've, that's why I feel like they're a, a lot more legitimate than a lot of other news broadcasters. I mean, they're, they're raw un- undercover. They're, they're kind of, you don't, you don't really see a lot of undercover 
journalism. I mean, you saw the guy who would like to catch a predator and like those things like that. I, I, but um, Project Veritas is a little bit more raw when it comes to that. So uh, there might be some other ones that I don't know, but I know Project Veritas is like one of the more successful ones that are out there. Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot about them, so I'm not going to say much. I just know the evidence that I did see them go through seemed pretty backed up. I didn't really see any problems with it. And it, I, I know that they were able to show that there is some situations of fraud. And- yeah, I, I believe it. I, I, I do. I do believe when it comes to the voter fraud stuff that came out, I, I believe most of it. That's it, it's pretty hard to twist that one to to. Uh, for the left or uh, to to say that was like manipulated or things like that um i i think that was pretty legit so that kind of connects back to just i want to give two quick examples because we're just kind of talking about how the media said uh that there was you know they're taking the far extreme oh there's no evidence of fraud Mm -hmm. and they're just basically asking us to trust and then you have the situation with with veritas where we see there is evidence and then other situations where you know they also said, oh, it's debunked that Cuomo ever did anything wrong in New York or that he sent any hold people into nursing homes and that the numbers were not false. They also said that the Biden laptop was debunked and it was disinformation. And mm-hmm. it come, you just people keep pile on. The news said it, so it must be true. I mean, if here's two clear examples in the last couple months of huge lies that are being told that were repeated by them. Yeah, it's PR. It's that you need to everyone needs to say, okay, if they're lying about this, why would I trust them with anything? Because they'll lie for anything significant that helps their case. So I just wanted to give out those two quick examples because they're easy and out. But th- this isn't this isn't new. And that's the thing. This isn't new. This, uh, the New York Times covered um, B- uh, Joseph, uh, Stalin for um, the, uh, the genocide of millions of Ukrainians. This isn't new, and 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 there's 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 a guy, that, you know, the major reporter, who uh, cover, um, basically was doing all the covering for Joseph Stalin, who was under Joseph Stalin's, um, uh, uh, Stalin, Joseph Stalin was paying him, um, y- you know, he was doing PR for the the communists. I mean, it, this this has happened all before, and that it, that is definitely more of a bigger story because it was. I mean, somewhat recent, but it was like longer ago and stuff. But this has been happening um, before. And I, I think now just since we have this, the media, you know, everybody can see us and it's going to be indexed on uh, you know, on the web for people, you know, it, for the whole world to see. A lot of these clips, you know, are, are are hard to find back then. But now since we have so much of it and we have people who are investigating these they can go and connect the dots. And and so that's why I feel like people think it's more corrupt or there's things are getting more crazy or anything else. But, you know, it, it, I think it's just we have the actual convenience of seeing everything now and um, and piecing everything together. I don't think, you know, I, I don't think even natural disasters and like just, you know, human involved disasters are that big of a thing because things have generally gotten better. Crime has been reducing. Um, The world has become somewhat of a better place 
because of advancements of te- technology and everything else. I mean, shit, in the 1920s, um, you know, we, we never, I don't even think we even had generators. You know, we, the, the quality of living, I mean, the richest per we live probably better than the richest person back in the 1920s. I mean, sure, we have a cell phone that beats probably anybody in the 1950s and 60s, any rich person in the world, because we have the accessibility of the world. I could speak any language in the world I want, like through my iPhone, thanks to Google. Yeah, well, I so very interesting that I'm sure you've heard this before, uh, that the, uh, the supercomputers that we use to get us to the moon, like our cell phone is several magnet times uh, magnified several times better than that the processing power of it yes it's just like it's astonishing now we've got that in our pocket and it's a short time later Mm -hmm. so So i i just i don't think that again i'm 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 a little bit more uh, even though i kind of sound kind of down and kind of like angry about how things are going on and how fucked it fucked up things are generally speaking like things are good Mm -hmm. Uh, i mean with covid and stuff it's a hard like thing to say but even even still like with the coronavirus and everything happen happening right now i mean things are relatively good Mm -hmm. i'm speaking just on you know just everything else i mean people are making more money i more more people are employed um you know that we definitely do have problems and stuff, but I, I think overall we're doing a little bit better than we were in the nineteen forties. Yeah, I would especially the night you know the nineteen forties, nineteen fifties. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, let me read on with this next one. Yeah. So here's kind of cuts into kind of an overview of what they did. So their work touched every aspect of the election. They got states to change voting systems and laws and helped secure hundreds of millions in public and private funding. They fended off voter suppression laws, recruited armies of poll workers. This one I find very strange, recruiting armies of poll workers. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll talk about it a little bit, but it got millions of people to vote by mail for the first time. They successfully pressured social media cam- uh, companies to take a harder line against disinformation and use data-driven strategies to fight viral smears. They executed uh, national public awareness campaigns that helped Americans understand how the voting, how the vote count would unfold over days or weeks, preventing Trump's conspiracy theories and false claims of victory from getting more traction. Mm-hmm. I mean, this article is basically, they're just laughing in your face now. This yeah, is like, I haha, mean, we did it. That's, and these are the things that we, we repeatedly said over and over is that social media, media is, here's what the other side is going to say though. It's, they're, they're fighting disinformation, but they're selectively deciding what the disinformation is. So people on the right are saying, ah, oh, conservatives are being censored. We're being banned mm-hmm. significantly more than anyone on the left for much less extreme views. And, but they're saying, well, those are disinformation, but it's, it's not. And those examples mm-hmm. I just gave, like the Biden laptop, that was, that was erased. That was kicked off. And Washington Post was that they had their t- Twitter account banned for this. And this was factual mm-hmm. information. Yeah, they make up a reason and say, "Oh, it went against our rules," and they kick them off. But there's other people posting news articles about Trump's taxes that were not uh, that, that verified. 
not yeah not verified there's information about trump having hookers or prostitutes peeing on him not verified mm -hmm. i mean all kinds of articles every single day yeah. about trump that has misinformation in it in one way or another but they mm -hmm. have factual laptop story that they banned because it's right before the election and i i i definitely think they're creeping into uh, I, I they're creeping into something that that could potentially be very bad and now, you know, we're reasonable and we're logical and we just know this is an issue and we logically talk about it and see, you know, what can we can do to remedy this. But if there is a person who is definitely unhinged and, you know, is is seeing things unfold and stuff like that, it wouldn't surprise me if they go and try and tar target certain individuals in the in the media and and journalism for it and it that's what makes things very scary once you start selecting a side and giving them preferential treatment and creating a double standard when they have the mindset that this is a a free country and they freedom of speech and expression and everything else it, it they it's probably going to drive some people mad and 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 the media will double down instead of saying, hey, maybe this is the root cause of this and maybe we should try and balance this a little bit better. It might, you know, it, it they'll double down and say, look at these evil right wingers and everything else and 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 things like that. So it it seems like no matter what the right tries to do in this case, it, it just doesn't work out for them. And so I mean, Parler is a good example. They said, you know what? We're just going to have our own um, social media, free speech, blah, 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 everything else. I, I, I was totally um, uh, hesitant of Parler, I, I, even though I've been on it and stuff like that. I heard they banned Milo. I'm like, okay, you're talking about free speech and everything else, and you just banned Milo. I don't know why they banned Milo, but Parler banned Milo. I haven't even heard Milo's name come up in so long that... It's strange that the apparently free speech platform would ban him. I'd be curious to see what he did. I yeah, I'm not sure what he did. I, I I'm hoping the reason is for something like very egregious. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's true, but um, it, I, I just I know he's banned. I, I I just read recently a few articles on it and stuff like that. So I'm hoping this free speech thing banned him because of something like really bad. Yeah. But I hope I, at the same time, I hope he didn't do anything um, bad either. I, I don't necessarily love him. I don't, I don't hate him either or anything like that, but I, I, I think he definitely brought up some good points and I think he kind of raised awareness for some things he's provocative. So I don't know. I I'm kind of, a jokester myself. So I just kind of sit back and laugh at some of the things he says and how people are so easily offended by it. It's just like, dude, just like get over it. He's just like, it, you're, you're feeding into his insanity. If no one freaked out on him and everybody thought he was just a normal person, he wouldn't be relevant. The only reason why he's relevant is because you're feeding him what he wants is, which is your anger, your, dissent or whatever it is but um anyways yeah i i mean realistically the only place for free speech is as funny as it sounds is 4chan 
it, you, I mean, you could literally post anything, you could talk about anything, and there's no repercussions for it. And it's all anonymous, too. If 4chan actually made, uh, even though I, you know, it, it's, I don't think I would be like a regular person on it. I, um, it, you can, um, I think if they innovated 4chan to where they, I don't know, I feel like DuckDuckGo and 4chan and like a VPN service kind of collaborated on some social media and made it good. And, uh, you know, they had a lot of coders and everything back behind it and stuff and no information could be released. I think it'd be pretty good. You know, they could probably make ads, uh, make money through ads and um, maybe promoting um you know, and I, I don't know, it, you know, it, it's just, uh, they, they would need to do something like that, but, um, yeah, you know, having terror cells and stuff like that, um, is kind of a fine line because I, I, I definitely do think about that, but they, you know, I, I, I would rather have the terror cells on there and having the FBI watching them, knowing their every move rather than just banning them or anything and then not knowing what their next move is. So it, it, it's, it's a funny then have it somewhere in the shadows for sure. Yeah. You, you, you want, you want to shed light on, on the evil rather than um, uh, just banning it and throwing it back into the dark. I mean, even white supremacists too, or, you know, uh, black supremacists, whatever, you know, all these like kind of like evil groups that divide people by race, ideology and everything else, all these kind of extremist people, uh, you know, I, I, I want them to be on, even though I don't like them, you know, I want them to, I, because there was a girl who is part of the, the church. What's that? Um, uh, Baptist, the, Something. You know what I'm talking, you know, the Joe Rogan episode. Yeah. I mean, she literally got saved on Twitter and I, that that's a beautiful thing. And I feel like that, you know, is a good, clear example, even though it's just one anecdotal example that someone was saved from being exposed online. Yeah. I think when you start, even though they're, uh, let's just say their mindset and their conscious is like, you know, a solid brick. Once you keep swinging at that brick for a while, it starts deteriorating and starts making you think other things. And if you keep solidifying your own thoughts, it, good or evil, um, it, it kind of puts you into a spot where like nothing can change. And we are in a society where there is a lot of change and there is a lot of aspects and there's things that need to be challenged by it. It's, it's just a form of creative destruction for anybody listening that knows business. Your, your conscious should be innovative or, you know, if you want to live a happy, successful life, you should be practicing creative destruction on your own life and mindset as well to, to break down and rechange the stuff that isn't relevant or bad to becoming a better person physically and mentally. So Mm-hmm. Um, it, you're you're not going to change if you're going to always be stuck in that bubble. Um, I'm sure you know you know the Daryl Davis, mm. uh, the black. Um, is it the guy that had a heart attack? 
No, uh, I'm not sure, but he's the black musician that converted the clans members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that guy. Yeah, 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 that guy. Yeah. Stuff like that. I, I feel like if, if we're going to be banning people and separating people into their own little bubble echo chambers, they never experience something outside of it. So you have these a bunch of stupid white people sitting together, all talking about they don't like blacks, but they've never actually met a black man before. And then you have them start meeting this really kind, generous mm -hmm. man who befriends them. And then you have years later, he's converted over 200 Klansmen. But mm -hmm. if he says, oh, those are horrible people, I'm never going to talk to them. Okay, then, then those 200 people continue their lives. They have kids, bring up their kids in that same ideology. And it just spreads instead of accepting them in to the community to where they're able to hear other voices and other opinions. Yeah, and, and this this kind of uh, it, it kind of something in, when it comes to my ideology, I I've been kind of going back and forth from because I, I I'm 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 very very far right libertarian. I mean, I, I'm almost an anarchist at this point, like when I discuss my ideas and everything like that. But um, I, in one aspect, I, I just don't like, I, I, I don't want anything done by force. I want everything all voluntary when it comes to culture, when it comes to government, and when it comes to everything else. If there is a, say a, a city that that's just made and they only want white people in there. If, if they have the property and they have everything else and that they're not hindering or using force against another, you know, their, their neighbors or anything else, you know, what's the problem with that? It's just the same thing for black people or for an Asian community or, or, or everything else at the same time, kind of taking the opposite side you don't want to have that tribe. Uh, this is where, I, where I'm kind of at war and what I'm trying to figure out. You don't want to have all these tribalists and everything else in, in hostility. So do you try and bring people just all together or do you just, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like a split, splitting the whole country up in like countries and stuff like that. If they want to have a nation where they follow, you know, it's conservative only, it's, you know, it's only this and stuff like that. You know, it's just kind of like their own mini, mini country, like, you know, be, have Poland being over in Texas and then, you know, Czechoslovakia over in Washington state and all that stuff. Why would that be a problem if there's no force done by it, no violence and force done by it? I mean, you and I are, you and me and all of our group of friends is basically a, a small form of libertarian, like anarchism. We basically decided that just based on our traits and our mindset and everything else, not even race, but just on, based on our ideology and our, our preferences on who we believe we should introduce in our life and stuff like that. It, we're basically just forming our small little community within ourselves. And we push back everybody else that we don't want in, not forcefully. We just say, no, we're not interested. And we just walk away. But can they do that They're on a large scale in society? For example, when you have, I mean, I know you could do this uh, like in a black community because they already have a lot of these throughout our society, but 
if you were to do a different race that says, oh, you know, this is a white neighborhood and then somebody, you know, a black family wants to move in, you can't just say, uh, no, <laughs> this is a white neighborhood restriction, but you do have Black Lives Matter who are talking about they want to make black cities and have black communities and black colleges where white people are, are not allowed to be, but mm-hmm. is condemning them and saying that, that that's bad. So uh, is it possible to have these communities without violence? Because what happens when a white person wants to come into that black community? Are they just, you know, what, what legal stance do they have to stop that person? Well, I mean, it, it's kind of already there anyway, because there there are certain communities in LA, if you're a white guy walking through, or not even white, let's just say you're just wearing a red and going through any going through a certain neighborhood. Huh? Yeah, any outsider of those communities walks through is going to be in significant danger. So we're kind of already living in it anyway, and and we, we naturally avoid it. Um, now, yeah, again, this is this is where I, I, I'm kind of debating myself as we talk more about this, but um, it's, you know, it, I, I am a big proponent against force and, but there is kind of a force when it comes to, you, you know, I don't know. I, you just, you just want to, I, I just want to leave people alone and I want to develop communities and stuff like that. And, and, and based on, you know, what people want in a certain block town or even state and stuff like that i just think the government or or the government the country is just too big for us for us to all naturally get along i mean and i i think splitting up might be you know just having like a divorce uh, of the country uh based upon ideology it would maybe help I know a lot of people might disagree, but I just think it's immoral that just because more votes against you means we will raise your taxes and regulate your business when you clearly are voting against it is just immoral, in my opinion. Well, it's it's like uh, their justification of theft, it seems like. But I mean, I'm not here to govern you. Mm-hmm. I'm here to govern my life and myself. Yeah, we did see a... I mean, we, we kind of saw this little experiment with the chop chaz scenario, people saying, oh, this is our community. And this is, I walked through there. I have video of me walking through there, but you saw how fast it started to break down because they'd say that they don't want police, but then they start walking around with their own weapons and beating people violently Mm -hmm. in ways worse than the police. Like at least the police are following their, you know, what their regulations tell them to do for most part. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a whole another conversation to, you know, excess violence and whatnot that we could get into another time. But we saw how quickly that that little community broke down and people start dying and their yeah, their little police force that's not a police force running around beating people and forcing them to do what they want and trying to make them say stuff that they want them to say and having little mm-hmm. uh, black community areas only and segregated gardens, segregated uh, mm-hmm. purchasing areas. Like, yeah crumbled apart yeah so okay well i mean the people the people in that area were not were i i guarantee you none of them the majority of them did not have a full-time job or or, and they had no innovation they had literally a low iq i mean these these were not the the bright selective ones that were major entrepreneurs or innovators of our our society 
and I and probably a large portion of them were collecting benefits from the government. And what in my argument is, this is not a uh, cultural um, issue. Uh, um, so I'm trying to see how you're framing this. Are you framing this is because because of anarchism? That that it fell apart because of yeah. The point. What's the point you're trying to make about it? Yeah, I know what happened. What about it? It's, that I just don't know how it would be structured with it without a governing body. Like I am not a fan of big government whatsoever, but when you get a bunch of people that create a, their own faction without any, well, we'll get into whether or not they have leadership in a minute later in this article, but without significant leadership, it just seems like it crumbles apart and they, it became a worse version of America than what the one that they were trying to escape. Well, okay. This is where the government was, became the issue. Because the issue is, okay, so if you want to talk about anarchism for the next 20 minutes, I could definitely go on about this because this is, this is what uh, the perception of um, uh, what, what is wrong with anarchism or uh, what is flawed about the argument of anarchism in Chop and Chaz. Basically, you had this community who, who were, um, you had certain protections from the government. This is a government issue rather than an anarchist issue. You had people who were allowed by the government to go tear up and destroy and start doing all these. Those That was a protected class. Now, let's just say, for example, if there was a bunch of, um, okay, neo-Nazis that came up, start killing people and beating the shit out of them and taking it over. How fast do you think the government would inter intervene? Very quickly. That is the answer. Huh? I mean, I would say within hours. I mean, they, they would have tanks over on Capitol Hill. I will, I will tell you that. But it was because of a certain ideology, a, a cohesive ideology that came into that place. They became a protective class because they were running PR. Um, the, the news outlets, the, the governors and everything was running PR because it was making Democrats look bad and orange man bad or orange man is bad. That's, that's their whole narrative when it came to it. Now, let's just say we had no protective classes or anything like that. No governmental structure of coming in, right? These people are living in the neighborhoods. They are, they're wanting, uh, wanting protections and everything else. So how do you do that? Well, one, we would have guns. That which would deter a lot of the violence. Two, uh, I, I'm I'm more towards. I'm, I'm very libertarian. I'm playing around with the anarcho-capitalist thing, uh, society. So, if there was a if there was anarcho-capitalist society, what is the biggest monopoly that we have in the United States right now? Just think. Biggest monopoly that we have. I the mean police. The police are, are are literally the biggest monopoly when it comes to or when it comes to our security and everything else. I actually don't think liberals were necessarily wrong saying defund the police, but they have the message wrong. They're they're shooting in the wrong direction when it comes it comes to this argument. Privatize police. That is the answer. If you have a privatization of police, one, they are more innovative, they don't collect tax, they have a good profit incentive, and they want to be the best product that is involved. Would police fuck up? You don't, you don't give them a one-star rating or anything like that and that you could go choose someone else. Those are the people that you want. So if you have a bad experience with a cop, let's just say even they kill your wife accidentally by a misfire or something like that. Sure, you 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 could get sued. Uh, you could sue, and but you have 
the whole Seattle law, um, all the Seattle lawyers and everything that are doing to protect them. And they're just doing a bunch of PR when it comes to them. They have a lot of um, backing through private and governmental forces. Now, when you have private security and everything else, and let's just say a neighborhood, they all collectively put in uh, $50 a month. I'm just going to say a random number to bring in that security. Then they would have the full force of protecting the community and it gives them a profit and a profit motive because if they lose or if they lack the security, then they um, they will get fired and another security company will come in. You, it, it's based on choice, no no force but choice, and and that's why I that's why Chaz and Oregon and everything else happened because you you got a protected class of communists taking over. But again, if there was. I'm not even saying white supremacists. If there was a force of regular people who were shooting these people, which happened during these riots where they went and killed and they got jail time and they got they got charged. So these businesses who are shooting at the people that are breaking into their um, places are are not as protected as the rioters. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about that. It was kind of a funny thing, but the man and woman that had their guns out they had the DA go after them specifically for, for all this, and she altered evidence. And they had to dismiss the case because they got caught altering evidence. Because that guy, both of those, that couple, I think it might just be the guy, is like a big shot lawyer who votes for the Democratic Party and donates to the Democratic Party. You want to talk about the biggest slap in the world when he is actually voting for those people who are actually, that he believes in their ideology, and then they're the ones that go and attack him and alter evidence against um, uh, against them. Mm-hmm. This is all government's fault. I, 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 want, I want someone to name me one thing that the government has done right. Mm-hmm. Because all these rights are government- or government sponsored. Well, I'm trying to wrap my head around. I really have never put much thought into privatizing police and it opens up a lot of doors um, that I think would be a long discussion I would like to talk about, but uh, I think I'd move it to another time. But it is interesting. I, I'm, I'm gonna have to think more on my own about privatizing police because I haven't put a lot of thought into that. It's it's a really it's a really it's a funny thing where people literally just kind of shut up and they're like, what? Not a lot of people think about that. Yeah, we don't have enough time to go through this stuff, but it's really man, it's just interesting because it, it it talks about because of the George Floyd it connects that they got in touch with these civil rights leaders that are and running these protests and mm-hmm. that as fuel to build their their coalition or whatever yeah and then they go through saying that they had it prepared in case trump tried to steal the election and they had them all ready to go for riots and to for their protests uh Mm -hmm. right after the election but since it was going their way they called them off because they didn't know or they didn't want to risk that going into violence so basically what that's saying is they have these channels where they're calling people to go protest when they know it goes into riots mm-hmm. and uh going through it so quickly is difficult but anyway it's basically saying that these people that had this organization they willingly sent people out protesting know knowing the violence that it would cause 
in order to reach their agenda. And it's like, they're admitting it in this article and then mm-hmm. had the power to stop it. And that's why they said through the election from those three days or whatever, there's zero riots and zero protests, zero violence and clashes because they called them off at that time. Yeah. So they I mean control over all of those rights the entire time. And so mm-hmm. that kind of jumps back into what we're talking about with CHOP and this and that and people saying, oh, there's no leadership. It's just people organized. Well, I don't think so. I think there's clear evidence in this article that shows that everything is orchestrated from some point. I don't know when it started, but this guy started last November. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, does it does it really surprise you? You know what? How these things happen? There are there's a lot of money flow flowing from multiple countries, multiple billionaires from these other countries that are trying to destroy the country within. It's very simple, and it, I I don't know why any international donations going to these things you know this is why i think the fbi is corrupt and everything as well but like i i i don't know why our any countries would accept foreign money like this going into like charities that are promoting like these very very divisive things it's not just russia it's not just china it's not just iran it's all over the world and it wouldn't surprise me if there's some MI6 covert operations that are doing the same as well. Australia, it, it like, like we're all competing. And, and I know we do it, but why, like, does anybody think this is organic? I guarantee you the Women's March, sure, there, there was a, a, the amount of marketing that goes into these things is not free. I, I will, I'm sorry if you think this is just some organic march. Black Lives Matter, everything else. They are receiving millions upon millions of dollars. And you know what? It, it, me being a marketer, put me on the director of one of those things because I'd be fucking loaded. Because they make so much money through and it. And it's very interesting how the money flows and how it could legally flow. But one thing that Black Lives Matter did, they did an AMA over on Reddit. And they said, so this is very interesting. Why does your donations get forwarded to Act Blue, which is a democratic hedge fund, which will, will go to like various senators and you know reelections and stuff like that? It was very, a lot of dark money like went into that. And a lot of it went to more for advertising and marketing for more donations and everything else. It, the, the celebrities, billionaires, it, 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 everybody likes, likes to say George Soros is a, the boogeyman and stuff like that. He definitely has some part in it, but there's a lot more George Soros Soroses out there than what people can imagine. And there's a lot of Chinese influence as well, too. There's many, many, many Chinese billionaires that are doing it as well. So it's as for me as a marketer, I, I, you know, who also does investigations on the dark web as well. I I see it all the time and it's very abundant and it's very obvious. So um, it doesn't surprise me one bit, but for anybody who thinks this is organic, part of it, part of marketing is organic. So people do naturally just get influenced and people will go tell other people, blah, 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 all that stuff that happens. Yeah, I know. But millions and millions and millions of dollars were poured into these things. It's it's not an accident that these things happen. Yeah, um, and this article confirms that. We don't have time to get into it, but uh, 
yeah, it, it basically confirms that. And maybe another time we can get into it. And it's basically mm -hmm. the orchestration of how how these organizations came together with activists to uh, plan protests that erupt into riots and they continue to do it repeatedly and they have the ability to call them off when they want. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we don't have time to get into it, but I think we can stop there and then we'll get into it another time where we'll go into depth and explain why I'm saying this. And it's literally all admitted here in the article and they put the evidence like it's no big deal. But yeah, well, it just the long story short of the article is they're laughing in your face and they know they got away with it. It seems to me that these people are responsible for what $2 billion of damage in the United States and countless injuries and, and numerous deaths. And, and they're, they're treating it like it's a, it's a game. And now they're bragging about it in this article. So it's, it's, really oh, dude, this is, this is what it is. This is, this is everybody. Th there's some conspiracy that there's some underground warfare going on right here. No, this this is the warfare that's going on. It's it's the dark money that 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 is uh, being promoted by it. Always be skeptical of these big movements because there's a lot of influence and ties that are going in to reach a certain agenda that people are trying to go on either side. I've seen it with Republicans and I've seen it with uh, Democrats, and yeah, it's it. It's very nasty once you have a big marketing mindset and you could actually see and visualize everything that is happening. No one's doing, again, no one's doing this for free. Black Lives Matter, George Floyd, every, every, uh, every crisis has an opportunity or however they say it. Any, any of these things. I mean, you, you see a lot of these murders if it's for black people or anything else and they get propped up a lot if you see a lot of other police murdering you know white people or anything else you, you know concern uh, republicans aren't really doing that they're not creating this propaganda march or propaganda wave of information um to create anger and hostility towards this because i one i think Republicans are much more pro-police and Democrats are more anti-police and stuff like that. So it, it, it's a funny thing. It's so Republicans are just doing a bunch of like different strategies and stuff like that. Um, I, I don't know. It, 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 I just always be skeptical of any hashtag or movement because I could break it down on Twitter and everything that the bots are pushing certain hashtags to make whatever political issue look bad make trump look bad trump is going to jail um uh ted cruz is a serial killer and all that stuff there's just a lot of money going into putting those hashtags in to make a certain political person or political topic look bad mm -hmm. there yeah if 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 there was no bots and there was no money going into like marketing and stuff like that there wouldn't be any divisive hashtags, I think, really. It, it, there might be some influencer stuff, but it, it wouldn't be as prominent. It's it's just a lot of these people who are online who are posting these things and trying to get trends going are because they're paid and they're they're like paid influencers essentially by charity or not charity, but like uh government uh super PACs and um certain um 
um, hedge funds that um, go and promote those things. So I could get into it uh, a lot. It, it, I'm I'm not necessarily a huge expert on it, but as a marketer, I know how it works. Uh, I could visually see everything and how it plays out. So it, it's just, all this is just not surprising to me. And like, I, I hate to be like, oh yeah, this is like terrible and blah, blah, blah and all that stuff. And I think it it, it is, but it's just, okay. Well, yeah, I've seen it. The stuff that people like you and I know because we get our information from more than just mainstream. So it's stuff that we mm -hmm. already knew, but for them to come out and say it and admit it, it's 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 just like poking. It's poking. It's here. Yeah, yeah. They're they're they're, they're, they're laughing in your faces. Here's the confirmation. Even though most people won't read or see this article, and most people that do, they say, "Oh, well, it's all legal." Da da da. But if you turn it around, mm -hmm. you know that you wouldn't let Trump get away with this stuff. So. Yeah, it's all. yeah, I feel like that was definitely probably more red than most other things just because it got trending. But um, yeah, most people just read headlines and, mm -hmm. and that's, that's what they call um, uh, clickbait. Um, you know, they, they have clickbaity things and stuff like that. But I felt like that was, that one was actually just read through because it was a little shocking. I, I was, I was kind of surprised that they actually admitted it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just it's kind of all dumb and stuff. But yeah, there there's just there's a lot more at play than um I mean they obviously show their hand, but there is definitely a lot more play. There's a lot of play like that. They're just showing you for the first time. So for people who are just discovering this, thinking that this is possible, this is this didn't just happen. It's always been happening and it always will until something changes to where it's illegal or you know whatever else so yeah yeah i i you know i kind of shrug my shoulders and it just kind of proves my point more that the corporatism the government ties and everything just make make society worse and in and, and just in full private to say a bit at, at a loss of like you know i i don't really even know where to begin on and how to start it it has to be such a radical change uh, that happened to stop this sort of stuff from going on. I, I don't even know where to begin. And anarcho anarcho, uh, anarcho capitalism. <laughs> Maybe we'll go into that next time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I gotta go, man. You want to just do your your social media shout out stuff? Your yeah. Blue Ocean HQ is my company, and I run a podcast called The Long Lost Explorer. You could email me for marketing services at spencer at blueoceanhq.com. Blue Ocean is a marketing strategy for innovative, um, oh God, I'm doing this too fast, it is for innovative um, industries and innovative um, markets that have been untouched. So that is kind of the purpose why it's called Blue Ocean Headquarters HQ. Thank you, Brent. Thank you so much. All right, so this has been Systemically Distorted Communication. And if you heard us talking about anything here today that you disagree with or you want to talk about, shoot me an email or contact me on social media. For email, it's systemicd, as in dog, communication at gmail.com. I'll see you. Yeah, communists, come argue with me, you stupid communists. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got to go, man. Let's see it.